Hello. Hello. And welcome. Wait. I'm Bartleby. Oh, must we keep doing this? And I'm here with my brother Artemis. Are we really podcasting? Yes, but not really. What do you mean, not really? Well, we are, but we aren't. Then what are we doing? It's called an introduction. I know what an introduction is. This week on Metacosmos, we feature a new segment, My Blue Foot with Isaac Bluefoot. Is that it? Are we done? Well, yeah, we're done with the introduction. Well, then why are we still recording? Well, we need to marinate the episode. What? Well, we just have to, like, you know, we have to marinate and, like, talk about stuff. Is that really a requirement? Well, like, Ben and Adam do it on Greatest Generation. It's, like, it's really great. Like, everyone gets to, like, warm up and get to know each other and kind of, like... But isn't it kind of off-subject and delaying getting to the point? Don't listeners just want to get to the point of the show? Um, well, yeah, yeah, they usually do, unless... Unless they love the banter between the hosts, and then they're kind of there for the banter. Oh, you think someone loves this? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I don't want to judge them. You don't have to judge them. They're already judging themselves. Everyone is. Too true. So, um, what do you want to marinate about? I don't know. What do you want to marinate about? I get a pick? Yeah, like, what's going on? What's going on in your life? You want to talk about it? Have you read anything good lately? I know you like to read. Oh, actually, I've been looking into ferrofluids. Ooh. They're like wild liquids? Like in, in like, ferrofluids? No, ferrofluids, not ferrofluids. Yes, they're a magnetically charged nanite particle. Oh. So what's that mean? It's, it's complicated, but... To put it simply, I'm looking into their interaction with magnets and superconductors to build a kind of battery for my watch. That seems like a little bit much for a watch battery. It's not your typical kind of watch. Hmm, well, I'll marinate on that. Oh, there's more. Oh, uh, okay. So I was theorizing on these batteries and I got myself a little bit hung up, so I, I used Brian Eno's oblique strategies. What's that? Well, Brian Eno, you know, with the musician... Yeah, yeah, I know Brian Eno. Well, he has a, he has a deck of cards. Oh, like Omen Quest cards. N- no, no. But maybe we could put a sponsor break here? Let's just do sponsorship at the end. Oh, okay, fine. What were you saying? Yes, yeah, so Oblique Strategies. Yeah? It's a deck of cards by Brian Eno, and he uses them in the studio when he's stuck a bit. And he wants to shake things up. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they are like Omen Quest cards. Well, they're just sentences or word prompts to help you shake out your thinking. No, that sounds a lot like Omen Quest cards. But there's no pictures, it's just words. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's different. Well, well, like, how do they work? Well, you select a card, and and they each have a prompt. And and did you draw a card? I did. And what card did you get? Oh, I got card number 15. Take away the elements in order of apparent non-importance. Huh. Take away the elements in order of... Apparent non-importance. Yes. And how are, you, how are you interpreting that? Well, I see it as, what is a thing when you remove all the things from it? When does it stop being that thing? Oh. So how, how, do, you, how do you apply that? Well, I'm not going to go into it with my battery, but we can apply it to podcasts. For instance, um, if you take away the marinating 
from the podcast. Is it still a podcast? A lot of shows don't marinate, but a lot of shows do. So I'm I'm not sure about that. I think if it's like a discussion podcast, you kind of need to marinate. But but what if people just want to get to the content? Then like the episode would be really way too short and um all the people that want to hear our banter would be sad. I really doubt they exist. No, they they exist. People people like um like us. But do we want them to? Oh, stop that nonsense. Fine, fine. Was that enough marinating? Actually, yeah, that was perfect. Okay, then. Well, tell me about this new segment. My Blue Foot? Yeah, it's My Blue Foot with Isaac Bluefoot. That's our producer. Before this show, it was his other podcast. And, um, well, uh, ours is way funnier and has pretty much the same show description. So he had to drop the other one. Fair enough. But we're going to use his, his episodes as um, filler for ours. Do you really want to tell people it's filler? Well, it's really high quality filler. Like, not all fillers are bad. You've got, like, whipped cream filler, and then you've got custard filler, and there's a difference. Touche. So, should we get on with this next segment? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to give it some kind of introduction? Oh, probably the less I say about it going in, the better. So, uh, yeah, um, with no further ado, my blue foot, where no words have gone before. They turned to Shiva and asked, If we are not these bodies, and are instead these souls, as you say we are, then what are these souls? What are they made of, if they are not these bodies? What is their anatomy? Shiva smiled back at their curious faces and took a moment to breathe before he answered. The anatomy of your soul is composed of the Tantra. Your body is a part of you, but only one part of you. You are also made of your drive your will, and your emotions. You are made of your faith. You are made of your imagination. Your soul is made of all of these, and yet all I can tell you about them can only be heard by the part of you that is your words. And then he fell silent, and they all sat there inside their bodies. They quietly felt their souls stirring. They listened with more than their ears until Shiva broke the silence again. When he resumed the beating of his drum, they danced. I'm Isaac Bluefoot, and this is My Blue Foot. A while back, a man approached me and began to tell me of his recent life dilemma, his struggles with mental illness, and his fragile family relationships. It was a rather surprising disclosure, and he went on to ask me what I thought of the matter and what he should do. Before then, I had only seen him around the community and we exchanged a few words maybe once or twice at my work. But at this moment, I saw that he was sincerely asking for my help. I told him my take on his situation and sincerely believe I gave him some good solid advice. But whenever I give advice pertaining to the definition of reality, I find myself faced with a dilemma of my own. The truth is, the only thing I actually know is that I don't really know anything at all. I feel it's important to include this disclaimer with my advice, as a warning, if you will, of the other fallibility of words when attempting to describe ultimate reality. So having just told this man what I considered to be sound advice, I found myself nearly recanting it as I went on about the nature of language. Words can be quite useful when articulating the description of minutiae like height, width, and thread count, or when instructing the best practices for making something like waffles or kombucha. But when relied on for more esoteric experiences, words have some serious fallbacks, 
even for kombucha. I think it's important to disclose just how improbable it is that my description of reality is an accurate depiction of actual reality. So while this man wants guidance with his most pressing issues, I begin giving him a lecture on the Tao Te Ching. The short version of the lecture goes like this. The Tao Te Ching was written around 600 BC and is attributed to a character named Lao Tzu, whose name pretty much translates to the wise fool. The whole thing is written in an ancient Chinese script, so I haven't actually read it myself. My favorite English translations are by Stephen Mitchell and Ursula K. Le Guin. Ursula's is especially poetic, and I recommend nearly everything she writes. He hadn't read the Tao Te Ching or even heard of it, which led me down a tangent on the eternal struggle of authors to find an agent and a publisher and how even Lao Tzu struggles to this day getting his obscure book of poems to new readers. That said, I assured him I would not spoil the ending, as it was only the first verse of the book that I wanted to talk about. Of all of the ancient texts that take the bold position of teaching some kind of deeper truth, the Tao Te Ching is one of my favorites, especially because of its very first verse. It discloses that the Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao. Again, the Tao that we can talk about with our words, that Tao is not the true, actual, real, eternal Tao. The word Tao translates to the way, and we are talking about the capital W-A-Y, way, the way. The way it is, the way it always will be, the way it all goes, everything. We are talking about so much of everything that no amount of talking can really say it. Oh sure, I could describe a recipe for chocolate chip cookies and explicitly detail the cooking time, but experience teaches us that when you smell the cookies, the cookies are done. By this point in the conversation, I feared that I had lost what confidence this man had in me, or worse yet, had said so much that my original moral was now lost. I decided to round back to reinforce the advice I offered him earlier in the conversation and began rebuking myself and all other language altogether. When I finished, he was quite grateful for the advice and maybe just as grateful that I had stopped when I did and had not taken another proverbial detour. He even thanked me for the cookie metaphor as he left. I was glad he found some help for my stories after all. For a while there, even I had my doubts. You see, though I do my best to give good advice, I know the tragic truth. The true Tao can't be spoken. Words never do it justice. And if I can say anything at all, if I can put any idea in my head into words at all, well then, there is one thing I can be sure of. I can always be sure my words are not the true Tao. I am as much a fool and no less a fool than anyone asking for my advice. And all these words I have to say, well, they may not be the ultimate truth, but I sincerely hope they help. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share my blue foot with a friend. And until next time, remember, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will smash your ego. And there you have it. Wasn't that nice? Yes, that was a pleasant listen. So now let's talk about it. No, 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 no. What? Let's just enjoy the lack of words. The... But there's a lot of stuff we could say on the subject. Yes, though perhaps we could just leave it at that. And just, you know, move on to my favorite part of the podcast. Which part? The wrapping it up. Oh. Um, uh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so, um, I'm Bartleby Nehi. And I'm Artemis Nehi. 
And we're the Kinetic Paranormal Society. A pair of socks and a magical wardrobe traveling through time and space, investigating supernatural stuff. You can listen to the reenactments of our adventures at um, KineticParanormalSociety.com and the Kinetic Paranormal Society podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. I really want to discourage you from telling people about that. No, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Oh, I think there's plenty to be embarrassed about. Look, the truth needs to get out there. So yeah, listen to Kinetic Paranormal Society. And um, if you want a free audiobook that tells you the story of the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent, you got to check out Superman, Son of L. It's really great. Sonofelpodcast.com. And of course, I already mentioned Omen Quest cards, and they're really cool. And you got to get them at omenquestcards.com. So yeah, thanks for listening. You guys are the best. And I, even though Artemis doesn't think you exist. Doesn't think who exists? I think you guys love us just as much as I love you. Bye. I love you. So it's over now? Yeah, see, that wasn't so bad. I'm still not sure.